Welcome to Cocktails and Capital, the working on your business podcast that feels more like grabbing a drink with your best friend. I'm your host, Sarah Tatum, that best friend. I'm the owner of Tatum Accounting, where we invite our clients to take a vacation from their bookkeeping. In this podcast, I'm going to give it to you straight. Talking points and vague tips, we don't do that here. There's a bunch of noise out there in the entrepreneur community, especially when it relates to finances. And when you're trying to run your business, you just don't have time for that. And I know that you would rather be doing literally anything other than recording expenses and logging into your accounting software. So I'm bringing you practical advice without any of the fluff, just like your best friend would. So turn the volume up, grab your gin and tonic, and let's dive into this week's theme. Are you ready to take a vacation from your bookkeeping? But your business is not quite there yet. At Tatum Accounting, we have plans that scale with your business, making them affordable at every stage. For the business owner who needs help with their accounting, but maybe is not ready to completely outsource their books, check out our new Office Hours package. With Office Hours, you get access to our private Facebook group filled with educational resources, webinars, and tools to make managing your books so much easier. The best part? Private, weekly, one-on-one support. Jump on weekly calls with an accountant to discuss anything and everything. Pricing, expenses, QuickBooks, we're here to get your questions answered. For just $150 a month, sign up for our office hours by visiting tatumaccounting.com forward slash office dash hours, or visit our show notes for the link. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, welcome to episode 25 of Cocktails and Capital. Today we are going to be talking about taxes. Yes, I know everybody's favorite topic. Um, We're going to go over the different kinds of taxes that you might see when you're running a business, or if you're not running a business, this is a good episode to listen to as well. And uh, we're going to just kind of break down all these taxes, their, their due dates, how much they might be, when you might run into them in the course of your business. So taxes obviously are not the most fun topic um, (laughs) and they're not really something that we want to think about. But when we're going into 2023, we want to be as prepared as possible to run our business and run them compliantly with uh, the government's requirements. And that could be your federal government, could be your state government, your individual state governments, could be your individual local governments. Yes, I know taxes on every single level. So today we're going to cover all of those. We're going to get you compliant for 2023. We're going to get you to figure out how exactly you're going to figure those taxes and pay them. And we'll make it fun. I promise. So let's get into it. So a lot of people come to me and they ask, how do I pay my business taxes? Business taxes is kind of a subjective topic, depending on the type of business structure that you have and the way that the IRS views that. So first thing I want to do is I want to talk about the different kinds of business structures. So a lot of people, and you might not realize it, but a lot of people are going to be classified as sole proprietorships. Now, these are people who may have even filed an LLC with their state, but an LLC is very much a legal thing. It is not something that the IRS views as giving you a different type of tax structure unless you're in an LLC with another person or you make an election to be taxed as something other than a sole proprietor. So there's sole proprietorships, which is your typical Schedule C um, that you see on your personal tax return that a lot of you probably file. There is a partnership, 
uh, tax form, there is an S corporation tax form, and then there is your corporations. So partnerships, you have formed an LLC and you form that with somebody else. It could be your husband, it could be your best friend, it could be a stranger, it could be a business partner, it could be literally anybody. You're going to be taxed as a partnership by default by the IRS. The other option you have is the S corporation. Now, a single member LLC or a sole proprietorship can make the election to be taxed as an S corporation. And what this does is it essentially gives you a separate entity that all of your income goes to that entity and it passes through to you through a K-1. Don't let me lose you yet. Okay. <laughs> and then you have your corporations. You might think of them as the big, big companies like Procter & Gamble, uh, <laughs> Procter & Gamble, um, any a uh, big company that could possibly come to mind that can't come to mind for me right now because it's 10 a.m. and I only have one cup of coffee. So we're going to work with this. So those are your four different types of entities. Now, corporations, you, the small person, can elect to be a corporation as well, but corporations have that whole issue with double taxation. Now, there's a whole bunch of rules that go into qualifying for these different elections and making these elections. It's a whole process, but that super brief overview of your business versus your personal taxes. So S corporations and partnerships generally don't pay taxes, whereas corporations do pay taxes. And then the individuals on all of those, the individuals will pay taxes as well. For you, the majority of my listeners who are sole proprietorships, your business taxes are actually going to be rolled into your personal taxes. That schedule C that you file is just an attachment to your regular federal 1040 return. So if you ever look at it, you'll see on your 1040, it's pulling the number from your Schedule C into different places and plugging it in to figure your total taxable income. So it's not really a separation of business versus personal. It is all rolled into one when you're looking at your taxes. The legal side, totally different. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I can't get into it. So we're not gonna go there. If you need help with that, I can refer you to a lawyer, but I'm not a person. So on the federal and the state level, of course, there are federal income taxes, and that's based on your taxable income figured on your 1040. There's also uh, state taxes that you have to pay depending on the state that you're in. There are a few states that don't have state taxes, i.e. Washington State, Texas, Florida, Delaware, etc. Um, however, just because the state does not have taxes on the personal level, they might have a business tax to pay. So, so you have to be careful depending on the type of business structure that you choose, if that's going to open you up for more taxes, if it's going to reduce your taxes. And that's why it's so important to have a tax advisor who can help you remember to look at all those things and to figure out if it's really going to be the best move for you. Now, these taxes vary widely state by state. Every state has a different rate, pretty much. Um, some of them do you know, match up with each other. But if you go from Florida to Georgia, Florida has no tax. Georgia has a state tax. Georgia's tax rate is different than Alabama's tax rate. And it's a lot to remember. So when you're trying to figure your um, amount of the taxes that you as a business owner are going to have to pay, the best thing to do is go off of your previous year's tax return and estimate that way, or you can use your net income for the year if it's gone exponentially higher and figure your estimated taxes that way. We'll get into that here in just a little bit. Now, when are all of these taxes due? 
franchise taxes, sales tax, estimated taxes, federal taxes, all the taxes. They're all due on different dates. So, <laughs> um, so it's not exactly the easiest thing to remember, but if you know that in your state you have this tax, this tax, this tax, and then federal taxes on top of it, put it on a digital calendar, set yourself a reminder for five days before the due date, and pop it on there so it reminds you not to forget to make those estimated tax payments, those sales tax payments, all the tax payments. We're going to jump into our first tax, and this is probably the one that you guys think about the most when you're thinking of taxes, but this is going to be the federal and state estimated taxes. Now on the federal level, estimated taxes are going to be due January 15th. That is your last tax payment for the previous year. So for 2022, the fourth quarter estimated tax payment is due January 17th of 2023 because of the holiday, but generally on the 15th or the following day, following business day, there's a holiday. The next one is April 15th. So that is your it's also the day that your federal taxes are due if you owe more taxes, but it's the first quarter's estimated tax payment is due that day as well. And then June 15th is for quarter two. The IRS has some weird quarters. And September 15th. So those are your four estimated tax due dates. So April 15th is the first for the year, June 15th, September 15th, and then um, January 15th of the following year. Now, State estimated tax payments are generally due on the same schedule. Um, however, check with your state, your individual state, and just make sure that their estimated tax payments don't follow an actual quarter, um, which would push June to July and September over to October. So just make sure, go check with your uh, state taxation board and make sure that you are following their rules and requirements so that you don't miss any payments and you avoid any penalties. Now, how did we word this? Okay, so now I can hear you thinking, but my tax preparer told me that I don't have to pay estimated taxes this year. And they're probably right, maybe. If your tax liability the year prior was less than $1,000, you generally do not have to make estimated tax payments for the following year. However, if you have doubled your net income from the year before, then you can pretty much rest assured that your tax liability for this year is not going to be under $1,000 and you should be making estimated tax payments. This is why it's so important to have somebody that you can talk to about your net income throughout the year so that you can plan to help you make these estimated tax payments as the year goes on. What you don't wanna do is assume that you don't have an estimated tax payment and in January or March when you have uh, filed your return, you get this huge tax bill from the federal government and there is an underpayment penalty associated with that tax payment. That's what we want to avoid. So sometimes if you notice that your net income is just growing and growing and growing, make some estimated tax payments and then get with an advisor so that they can help you figure out what exactly your tax liability might end up being um, and how they can help you avoid such a huge tax bill in the future. 
especially if um, you have investments that you're doing, if you're selling off a whole bunch of stocks this year, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if it was the best year for that. But again, I'm not a financial advisor, so we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but if you had cryptocurrency and you had a whole bunch of gains from cryptocurrency, if you sold a house, you might have a taxable portion on the sale of your house. If you have rental properties, that could end up leading to more taxable income as well. And there's so, so many things that factor into your taxable income and can increase your tax liability that it's super, super important to just have somebody that you can talk to throughout the year and ask, how is this going to affect my tax liability? Do I need to make estimated tax payments on this? Is there a way to legally reduce the tax that I'm going to owe? And I can guarantee you that if you find a proper educated tax preparer, they're going to be able to help you with that. So So yes, in some cases they are required, but no, that's backwards. <laughs> so yes, in some cases, estimated tax payments may not be required, but that can change extremely quickly depending on how your year is going. And we all want to have a profitable year. So if you're having a profitable year, just assume that you might well have to pay some estimated tax payments. And the thing with estimated tax payments is, again, if you overpay, you will get a refund on it when you file your tax return, as long as everything lines up, matches up, and you're good to go. How are you going to calculate your estimated tax payments if you don't reach out to somebody like me or to a different tax preparer? There are so many tools and calculators on the internet. The IRS has their own form in which you can try to calculate your tax liability for the coming year. I will say, essentially what you have to do is do a mock preparation of your tax return and figure that out from there. Um, you, you do have to take into account all the credits that you might be receiving, you have to take into account any um, any capital gains that I just talked about that you might have where from selling a house or doing your stocks or um, having cryptocurrency, et cetera, et cetera. And so you generally just have to do like a mock return. And so there are much easier ways to do that. Um, and generally, one of those ways is, again, to contact a tax advisor, tax preparer. And what happens if you can't pay your estimated taxes to the federal or state uh, government? You, like I said, could be hit with an underpayment penalty when you file your tax return. Um, but generally, if you miss a tax payment in one quarter, say you miss your September 15th tax payment, when you do your January 15th tax payment, you will have to essentially double up what you have missed on paying. You should make the payment as soon as possible, as soon as you can. If you miss it on September 15th, but you can pay it on October 2nd, pay it on October 2nd. Uh, so that way when you have January 15th, you're not paying a double estimated payment just because you missed one uh, payment. You can always pay, you can pay estimated taxes whenever you should Definitely, if you have estimated tax payments to do, sign up for the electronic uh, filing tax payment system, EFTPS. <laughs> um, sign up for that. It takes about two weeks to get your PIN number from the IRS because it will come in the mail. But sign up for that. Make your tax payments through that system because that will keep a log of all the tax payments that you make. If you make it through... Uh, irs.gov pay taxes and it allows you to just kind of 
fill in some of your previous year's information and make a payment by bank. Um, that does not keep a record of any payments that you made on any stored site. That is completely and utterly your responsibility to track your payments and um, keep a record of them. So use EFTPS. And if you need help signing up for that, please let us know and we'll help you get that process going. I can't talk today. Weird message. Okay. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned franchise taxes. And you're probably like, what the hell is a franchise tax? I don't know what that is. I've never even heard of that. Cool. So neither have a lot of people, and neither had I until I got a client from Texas. There are only um, 18 states plus the District of Columbia that require you to pay any sort of franchise tax. Florida does not have one. Virginia does not have one. So until I got this client from Texas, I was like, what on earth is this even about? Um, and in reading about it, it's kind of interesting. It's, again, one of those taxes that sneaks up if you have a certain type of business or a business with a certain amount of net worth. Um, it's something that an individual state will charge uh, depending on the amount of net worth that you do have. Um, and it, uh, it is essentially, how do I word this? <laughs> God. It's essentially an extra tax that even a pass-through entity, like I was talking about earlier with S-corporations and partnerships, that those entities would have to pay. So even though S-Cores and um, partnerships are generally not taxable on a federal level, they can sometimes be taxable at a state level. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on. Now, like I said, this is taxed based on your net worth. So unless you have a rather large net income or a net worth, 
the tax doesn't apply to you. So it's not necessarily something I want you all to worry about and all to freak out about, but do check and see if your state has a franchise tax. We're going to put a link in the show notes for you to easily reference that below. Um, and I want to say below, like I'm on Instagram, <laughs> like I'm doing an Instagram story, but this is a podcast. So anyway, we're going to put a link in the show notes so you can check that out and see if your state uh, has a franchise tax. But for example, with Texas, Texas is, um, first of all, due by May 15th. So it's a completely different tax deadline. So again, when you find that your state might have a franchise tax based on the link in the show notes, Google the specifics for your state. I know Alabama has one, Georgia has one, North Carolina has one, et cetera. Um, and check and see if the tax deadline is even remotely similar to the tax deadline for your federal taxes. Um, but definitely look into that tax deadline. But Texas is due by May 15th, so a month after the federal taxes are due. And it only applies when you have over $1.2 million in gross revenue for the year. So that's quite a high number. On the other hand, Georgia's tax is 5.75% of any corporation's taxable income over 100000 So there's a huge disparity between the two states, 100000 over a million. So if you are in the state of Georgia and your net worth is over 100000 please, please, please check and make sure that you do not meet the requirements to have to file a franchise tax. And if you do, be prepared to file that franchise tax. If you're in Texas, you have a much higher threshold before you have to worry about franchise taxes, but keep an eye on your revenue and make sure that you're not about to meet that mark um, and that you just need to prepare yourself to file and pay a new set of taxes. Don't limit yourself on your income, but just be prepared to have to file another set of taxes. So the last type of tax that we're going to talk about today is everybody's favorite because it's so fun and it's not confusing at all. And that is sales tax. So that was all complete sarcasm, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Um, sales tax is incredibly confusing. Every state practically has different rules. There's two different ways that states determine how you're going to file and charge uh, sales tax. Due dates can be different. Filing frequencies can be different. Uh, you can have two different businesses and your filing frequencies can be completely different for both businesses. The way that you charge your sales tax might be different depending on the type of business that you have. Uh, there are things like establishing nexus in a state, and that can be based on an economic threshold, can be based on a transaction threshold, can be based on a physical threshold. So yeah, it's not at all weird and confusing. So with sales tax, unless you have a super cut and dry business, like you are based here in Virginia and you only sell to people in Virginia, you're not doing anything online. You are literally just yourself selling face-to-face -face with people. That's probably the easiest type of sales tax left to date. If you are selling to other states, if you are selling to other localities, it gets a lot more complicated. So you have origin, destination, and then in some cases, you have a mixed state. California, one of those fun states where they do a mixed state. You can either, you can, by certain requirements, be 
required <laughs> to charge an origin-based sales tax or a destination-based sales tax, depending on what type of business you're doing, what type of sales you're doing. Virginia itself is an origin-based state. So we're going to use Virginia as an example. So if you make sales to customers within the state of Virginia, anywhere, you are going to charge based on the origin of that product. So I'm in Suffolk, Virginia. If I make a sale to somebody in Hampton, Virginia, I'm going to charge them sales tax based on Suffolk, Virginia tax rate. However, if you are a remote seller, like a lot of you might be, if you are making sales to other locations, the, the tax is going to be charged on a destination-based level, typically. So if I'm in Virginia and I'm selling to Florida, my sale is going to be taxed on a, on a Florida tax rate because that is the destination of my item. So it's super, super, super helpful to have something like Avalara, something like TaxJar, um, some sort of integration where you can make sure that those sales tax are being calculated accurately because you want to make sure you're getting the not just the state level tax, but the local tax as well. Florida is one of those states that has a discretionary surtax built into the actual tax rate of the state of Florida. And so you have to be able to determine who, how much you're paying to each county based on the discretionary sales tax. Virginia also has different tax rates in addition uh, to the, the state level tax that is dependent on where exactly your sale is. It's more divided into regions here than counties, but it's still super complicated. And I'm sure I've lost a ton of you. <laughs> um, but the good news is that if you do not have Nexus established in the state that you're selling to, then you do not have to collect sales tax. Nexus is typically, like I said, established by either physical presence or economic presence. Uh, economic thresholds for a lot of states starts at $100,000. So if you're based in Virginia, you're making a couple of sales a year to Florida, unless those sales are $50,000 each, you're not going to hit that economic threshold. If you are looking at the physical Nexus side, typically physical Nexus involves having an employee in that state, having a warehouse in that state, um, frequently making visits to actually sell items in that state physically. So each state, again, has different physical nexus requirements, but it is super important to utilize a resource that can help you understand if you're meeting the thresholds for nexus and if you have to register in that state. I will put the wonderfully helpful tax jar uh, kind of state chart where you can literally look at their website and you can click on whatever state you want and it will give you the economic thresholds, physical uh, nexus requirements, and their, if their origin versus destination, um, how to register for sales tax in that state, and so many other great resources on that site. So that will be in the show notes as well. Now, when sales taxes due is again another story. Sales tax can be due on a monthly frequency. It can be due on a quarterly frequency. Some states have semi-annual. Some states have annual. Um, typically, when you register, you're going to get a notice from the government of that state telling you your filing frequency, and typically it's going to be monthly or quarterly. Most state sales tax returns are due by the 20th of the month. Uh, that might be the 19th. They do tend to go a day earlier if that day falls on a weekend or a holiday. So when you register for your sales tax, when you get your filing frequency letter, go onto the state website and print out the sales tax filing schedule. 
That way you know exactly when your sales taxes do and then file it as soon as you've done your month end close. Don't wait until the last minute to file your sales tax. Just get it done at the beginning of the month, barring any complications, and then it's off your plate and you're good to go for the rest of the month. Now, I know that was a super ton amount of information about sales tax. So if you do have any questions about sales tax, please look at that tax jar resource that is going to be super, super helpful to you. And if you start doing your sales tax and it's just too much, don't stop filing sales tax just because it's too hard. That will amount to so many penalties. It will amount to so much headache. If you need assistance with your sales tax, please reach out to somebody who can help you and who can make it easier on you, um, either by filing your sales tax for you or by just giving you kind of a crash course in your state's sales tax requirements. I know this episode was a ton of information for you guys, and I know it was on taxes, so it's probably not your favorite topic, but it is a super important topic that we as business owners need to be well aware of and know our requirements for filing and what all we have to file and how much we have to pay. So it's a super important topic, and I really thank you guys for listening to me go on and on about it today. It has been a fun one to record. I love scaring you guys with taxes. No, I'm just kidding. I also do not care for taxes. No one does. No one does. So it's, it's, it's just something that we have to deal with as business owners and as people, death and taxes, right? So anyway, I thank you guys so much for listening and I will be back here next week with another episode. And if you liked this one, please rate, review, subscribe, and on your review, please make it a nice review. Five stars. If you hated the podcast, please send me an email. Just let me know. I reviews not necessary on that one. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and follow Tatum Accounting on Instagram. You can also do us a huge favor by leaving a review. It's the best way to support us. Let's catch up next week. Same time, same place.